0: Ball don't lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. That's where my man Patrick uh, plays songs from very talented human beings, artists live right here in the, from the ATX, who you can catch live in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick?
1: This is the Selfless Lovers. They are playing tonight at Continental Club. <laughs>
0: I just like that. It's a simple name, but it is, uh, it's a damn good one. So, is it selfless lovers? Selfless lovers. Selfless lovers. Don't we all strive to be?
1: I mean, I don't know if everybody does.
0: <laughs> you should strive to be. I, I mean,
1: I do. Everybody I
0: should strive to be a selfless lover, man. I think
1: all those other guys that are trying to get to the girls I'm trying to get to are not. <laughs> So you should pick me.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pick, pick my man Patrick, man. He's the ideal you there. He's got a lot of talents. No question about it. And he's a selfless lover, apparently. Uh, and you can catch uh, that band. And you can catch all of the uh, 512 selections on hornfm.com in case you missed any of these suggestions. My man Patrick, he posts those up there for you because uh, he wants you to know that uh, he cares want you to enjoy uh, these very talented human beings on a 5-1-2 Friday. All right, Russell Wilson used to be a very talented human being. I don't know what happened this past season. See, it was a precipitous drop-off and a fall from grace. I, you guys know I'm a Russell Wilson fan, and I still am. I just don't voice my fandom now. It used to be one of those things like, you know, I, I throw my Russell Wilson fandom out there in any conversation about quarter, quarterback rankings in the NFL or something like that. Nope, don't do that anymore. Nope, I, you wouldn't even know I was a Russell Wilson fan at this point. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to be one uh, because the, all the reports <laughs> point to Russell Wilson basically at at one point in his Seattle career when he essentially, I guess, became the face of the franchise that he changed. Their report, even Richard Sherman points this out in some of his podcasts that they didn't have direct a line of communication with Russell Wilson that they'd have to talk to a representative just to talk to him. No, these are true stories, crazy stuff. And here's another one. Um, so, this is a story that comes from The Athletic. And it claims that Russell Wilson at one point went to Seattle ownership and tried to get Pete Carroll and John Schneider fired or replaced best time to say he basically believed they were holding him back from achieving his goals of winning additional Super Bowls and individual awards based on the report here that's what it says and how about this though this is a this is serendipitous this is beautiful reportedly his preferred replacement for them uh at the time was Sean Payton there you go all right that's pretty good. So it may maybe you know they end up coincidentally being together. That would be great. Uh, but that is the latest report from the athletic is that Russell Wilson uh, had gotten so brash, arrogant, cocky, whatever you want to call it, that he went to ma- he went to ownership, not management. He went a, he, he went a, a, above you know management's head, and decided you know what I'm going to try to convince the owners to. To fire the coach and the GM for the quarterback. Now, you, you know my term for this, and I've been throwing it around for a few years now, and I think it's catching on. I'm starting to hear it other places. And I didn't hear it, hear it before I started using it. It's the NBAification of the NFL.
1: It is. Now, I will say, he has denied it. Yes, of course. Well, who I, wouldn't deny it? I, well, no, because some people may not say anything. Yes. He has come out and denied he it. He has come out and denied it. Oh, so, and I'm glad he's denying it. So he's denied it, and says, no, I would never do that. And so this makes me wonder more if this was a situation where – I think he did say it, but I think it was – I could believe it was a situation where they called him in and they said, how do you think we should improve this situation? More trying to get on him that he was not leveling up to the level he needed to be at. And his response to how can we make this situation better was, well, maybe it's time to bring in a new system and new general manager. If we're not getting over that hump, it's clearly not me, so it has to be the other people that are in charge here, which would mean Pete Carroll – and general manager, and you take if we change them out, and he goes, "Well, how do we fix it?" He Goes, well, "Sean Payton is uh, he's leaving the Saints, so maybe we get him to come in, and then we like I can, I can leave, see that I can, I see, can that. see that to where it's not Like an end of season meeting, and they just it's part of the discussion. Yes, and yeah. so it's not as bad as him picking up the phone and calling ownership to say, "Hey, you need to fire everybody," but to, he was asked the question of how to improve the team, and his response was, "Well, maybe these guys are the problem, not me."
0: Uh, But it it tracks, though, right, with what happened at Seattle and the way it all deteriorated. It does track that it basically became Russell Wilson against management. And this would explain the... The the, the you know, it would explain them the rift. It would explain why they why they couldn't get along and what happened after so much success early on with this same holy trinity of Schneider as a GM, Pete Carroll as head coach, and Russell Wilson as what was seen at the time as being the perfect face of a franchise. Guy wouldn't get in trouble off the court. Yep. You know, he was a man led by his faith, and he was always visiting kids in hospitals. I mean, everybody loved, and he was, he was a he was a damn good player on the field. And turns out that Pete Carroll and John Schneider and the organizational culture of the Seahawks at the time, which, remember, that Legion of Boom leadership was strong. Yeah. A lot of strong personalities in that group, man. So that was Bobby Wagner, you know, Richard Sherman. That was a strong group. You know, Marshawn Lynch, strong group. He wasn't in Legion of Boom, but you get my point. There was a lot of leadership on that team. They didn't yeah. need the quarterback to assert himself and be the leader alpha male of all alpha males. They had a lot of them there, and... As they lost those guys and he had to take on that role, it would seem like that's
1: when – The crack started show. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it seems as if – and, I mean, we all saw it last year because that was the discussion was we talked about it and everybody else talked about it was, is it time for Pete Carroll's career? And I would have said, yeah, it seems like Pete Carroll's lost the team. Mm. It seems like – and what we see afterwards was, mm. well, no, he was kind of trying to make Russell Wilson take on some of it and he didn't want to take on whatever load there was. And – and they end up making the smart trade, which Wait. is they now get a top pick for getting rid of a guy and they going off and still make the playoffs. And Geno's exactly and that's to me I think seeing the <laughs> seeing this the
0: stark difference between the organizations and how, you know, they perform this year. Russell Wilson having the precipitous drop off in the fall from Grace and Geno Smith reviving and resuscitating his career with the Seahawks. Yeah. I, I I think it it, it it it's the same conclusion everybody came to after watching Tom Brady win a Super Bowl his first year away from the Patriots and watching Bill Belichick and the Patriots struggle. Yeah. And it it's like, okay, well, obviously, we were underestimating the impact of one Tom Brady. And I think the same thing here. I think we were all overestimating the impact of Russell Wilson. Yes. And underestimating Pete Carroll's impact there with the culture. Pete Carroll can coach.
1: Man. Yeah. No, he can just
0: have flat-out coach.
1: And, I mean, <laughs> and we'll see this season because there is this whole weird cloud over all of it, too, because part of it is you're like, was Nathaniel Hackett the worst coach? Like, is he just the worst coach? He was pretty bad. And that's the thing, though, is is it really – because we know he's bad overall no matter what because he couldn't figure out a way past the Russell Wilson problem. So it wasn't like, oh, well, I put in another quarterback and then we were a 500 team or we were an okay team. It was like nothing we do was going to matter. So he clearly was a bad coach and not ready to be the head coach in the NFL. But how bad that if Sean – when Sean Payton comes in – does this turn around? And they're a playoff team and they're what they, we thought they were going to be a year ago, or is there still tons of struggles mm-hmm. and this offense still doesn't go and all these young wide receivers can't figure it out with Russell Wilson and he's still calling out plays that Seattle used to call? Like, is that the same guy or is it going to be completely different? Because there's the cloud of Nathaniel Hackett where we don't know was it just Nathaniel Hackett or was Russell Wilson really that bad this year? I
0: think it was more Russell Wilson being bad. And not that they can't revive Russell Wilson's career, because we've seen it, so we know it can, be, it can be there. But Nathaniel Hackett came in. I think the belief was that Russell Wilson was going to basically take ownership of the offense and ownership of the team. And you can see he was trying to do that. Like, yeah. It was fake, and, and it was disingenuous. <laughs> yep. And the players saw right through it. Cause <clears throat> now the reports were saying is that Russell Wilson doesn't know how to be a leader. Okay. At least based on the reports, the Athletic also reporting that Russell Wilson had his own office on the second floor. Yes. I ain't, I ain't never known a player and on, on a football team in the NFL to have their own damn office. No,
1: I've, I've heard of it of they when said, players retire. They
0: said the same floor where coaches and executives worked, Russell Wilson had an office, and it created an unusual team dynamic. The players were always on the first floor. They never really came to you, know, You don't want to go hang out with the bosses. You want to hang out with that? You want hang out with the suits? No, you're trying to hang out with your team and with the players. He had an office on the second floor with the suits, yeah, well, with the execs. That's crazy. That I've never heard of that in the NFL. I, I want to see a picture stuff, of this office too. But this, yeah, and this goes to stuff that Pete Carroll probably wasn't allowing. Or if he was allowing, he was able to still keep team chemistry and culture intact, even with absurdity like this
1: going on. Now, do you think this this and Nathaniel Hackett cannot do this office? He's got one of those chairs that's up real high and then he's got these little low chairs. They're, like, <laughs> uncomfortable. So if you even tried to go up and hang out with him, you go sit in his office and you're looking up at him, you're like, this seat ain't very comfortable. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. Mine's, mine's heated. Got he's always looking down
0: on you. Yeah. You know, think he's got one it it of them is. offices? Only <laughs> Russ sounds like that kind of guy, unfortunately.
1: These stories sound that, that kind. That, he's got that desk that's wide enough that means that one of you has to lean over the desk to do a handshake, and he's not <laughs> leaning, but his hand's out. So you got to lean over to do it. All oh. those little power moves.
0: Yeah, that's what it's. That's what I'm saying. Have you? Uh, it's just crazy. I, honestly, what sport have you heard of this happening? I'm sure it's happened. But no, because I've heard of in, rare, in NFL man.
1: offices appeal of getting uh, off. Like that, people get offices after they retire. Yeah. So that they're like, hey, we want to keep you part of the organization, so we're going to give you an office here, so you can come and still be part of the organization.
0: But not while they. while you're? not while you're a player?
1: No, but no, while you're a player, it's like you want to be in the locker room because you want to lead the men in that's, the locker. That's room. That's your team. And how do you come in like would you trust would you trust somebody you work with that's supposed to be your coworker and they and then boss calls a meeting, right? And then they walk in with the bosses. Exactly. You'd, be like, you'd be like, No, 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 no. You're a suit. You can't come over at lunch then <laughs> and be like, Man, bosses are crazy. Like you wearing a wire <laughs> You just went to lunch with the bosses, and you come over there like,
0: man. He's a real aho. It's like, nah, you've been hanging no, out with the boss no. a lot. I can't. I don't you know gonna about to tell him anything I tell you? Yeah, that's Russell Wilson. I think that's Russell Wilson. I think I think you just hit the nail on head. That's him right now. And how about this as a little funky dynamic too? And by the way, um, Sean Payton has already said none of this strange you know stuff is happening when he takes over. They asked him was Russell Wilson going to be allowed to have his private quarterback coach get parking and be allowed in the team facility and at team activities, and Sean Payton scoffed and was almost insulted. Like, no. I, no, that, I'm the, that's me. I'm the guy that's going to be parking and coaching. No, I'm the quarterback. Coach. That's, a, that's me. I'll hire someone. So he, he laughed. And by the way, strangely enough, getting back to the NBA of the NFL, Tom Brady was doing this. Yeah? With Bill Belichick. Tom, Tom Brady actually was. He was bringing in Guerrero. His own, that's the TB12 guy. And that's what really upset Belichick because he was getting him. He was like, hey, I need him on the plane. He needs a parking spot. He needs to be allowed in the team facility. He needs a a key card. He needs it all. And Belichick's like, what? Think about about Belichick. This guy is, I mean, he he operates like the CIA or the FBI, like a clandestine organization. And Tom Brady goes to him and says, hey, man, my dude here, you know, my personal trainer, he's going to need access full access to everything. Can you imagine... Bel- like Belichick and what he's thinking—that uh, was the beginning of the rift. Hey, I tell that's, you. that's a shut that the, the door,
1: shut the door and cut out moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just—you walk outside. I'm gonna shut this door and I'm gonna scream and I'm gonna let you back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And it, but Brady's going. You know why I can still play this way at damn near forty, right? You know yeah. why I'm still this good It's because of this guy, right? Well, that's uh, so. And it's like that, but I, that's what Russell Wilson. I'm saying that's probably what he was telling them
1: too. Well, and if you talk about the NBAification, this is Tim Duncan when he was the free agent and p- considering going to Orlando. Part of the deal of why they said it fell through was he asked Doc Rivers if he could take, like, his family and his people mm. on the team plane. Yep. Doc Rivers was like, no. <laughs> no, you can't. And Pop was like, if we get to keep you, yeah. <laughs> We're San Antonio. We can't lose you. They yeah, are like, and you so bring like, everybody. Yeah, so if you need to keep your trainer or you need to keep whoever it is that you want to have, you can bring him. And wow. a lot of times I think it was his manager. It was his friend and stuff like that. But it was – he – but Pop, the Spurs let him, and he was like that was one of the big reasons he said he came back to the Spurs. That's it. In- See, but you're right. It worked though. It worked, and it so worked, that's, I get, and it worked you know, for Belichick a little bit coach. Too. Exactly, because yeah. Belichick goes, I can't lose Tom Brady, and but now with Russell Wilson, you go, ah, guess what? You don't have any of the cards anymore. Yeah, you may had some coming over here because you signed that big deal and everything else, but you're not Tom Brady. You're not Tim Duncan. Nope. Hell, if we could, we'd probably cut you right now. And go try and find another yeah, quarterback. They de- yeah,
0: they could have, can't. They just, yeah, they, for at like least three more years, he's their quarterback. Yeah, so yeah. they're
1: like, you You have no longer have this ability to hold over us anything because if, if, worst case scenario, you just hold out. We'll go get an exemption from the league that you don't want to play anymore, and they'll gladly give it to us because we're the new owners, and you, you'll you be kicked out of the league basically. Oh, no,
0: Russell's not going to, because Russell is now. No, and I get that, but that's
1: that's what they can tell him in negotiations to tell his agent. They go, so all these things are no longer issues because if you you now do what we tell you to do, unless it's it's specifically in your contract, and then we're just going to make it really, really hard for you like George Costanda at Play Now. <laughs> <laughs> Take away his
0: executive bathrooms. Yes. Oh, you know Russ had an executive bathroom. Oh, you too. know he did. You know he did. Come on, Russ, man. You can't do that. You got to use the community bathrooms and showers with the rest of the crew. Uh, also, how about this little strange dynamic? Reminds me a little of Kellen Moore's promotion and ascent. Remember, Kellen Moore, as soon as he got done playing with the Cowboys, he imi- immediately got the job as the quarterback coach of the Cowboys of yes. Dak Prescott. Davis Webb who's NFL veteran, spent last season backing up Daniel Jones. He's being hired as the Broncos quarterback coach. Yeah. He's only 28 years old. He's going to be coaching. Russell who's 34 years old, um, and he's one of the youngest coaches in the NFL. Listen, I, I really do trust me some Sean Payton. So if Sean Payton has vetted Davis Webb for this job, I'm going to trust Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton's a hell of a coach. I really do. I got a, I got um, a really high opinion of Sean Payton. This is a questionable hire. No, it is. It's a questionable hire. There's no doubt about it. But I'm going to trust that Sean Payton knows what the hell he's doing.
1: But I mean, we've seen that's a trend. I mean, Scott Tolzien just comes in with the Cowboys, former quarterback. You Davis Wedd just comes in for the uh, – Josh McCallum gets his first coaching gig. He's a quarterback coach for the Carolina Panthers now. So this quarterback coach position has really gone the way of we're just going to bring in a quarterback – who has been out there and seen what it is to be on the field in the NFL, and maybe they can help a, our quarterback have that eye set and help us in the coach's room tell us what it's actually like in the headset on the sideline. Because I guess that's where people have taken it, is like, hey, we're in the coach's room, and we don't want the quarterback in there. But we want a coach in there who can tell us Hey, man, what when, when I, when I, that guy's seeing is this. Yeah. Because I was there, and I can tell you what these guys are doing.
0: It's just strange because, you know, they, in terms of the, I guess, the technical aspect of things, and they are a quarterback, so I guess they can take everyone through the drills. It's just strange that this is a new era. I know why the Cowboys did it because the Cowboys did it because of familiarity, too. Yeah. They wanted a quarterback who knew the system to also be teaching Dak the system. Yeah, yeah. In the same. So I get all that. This is not really that because it's not the same system. This is just him believing that Davis Webb – it can be that mediator, I guess, between whatever Sean Payton's teaching and being able to make sure that it is received and also acted upon and executed by Russell Wilson. Yeah. David I mean, Webb,
1: it's, it's, it's just strange. So. It is, though. No, I mean, he it's may strange. be, it, Sean Payton may think he's a good leader. He may think he's a good middleman of being able to deal. I'm sure there's a reason there's definitely why. No reason. Why he was yeah. like, all right, I have to work with Russell Wilson. I think this is a guy who. When I want to yell at Russell Wilson, I can yell at Davis Webb, and then he can tell (laughs) Russell Wilson.
0: (laughs) That's a good point too, because you're trying to resuscitate Russell Wilson's career, and you're going to do it with Davis Webb helping you. So he sees something. There's there's a a specific reason. I haven't really identified it yet,
1: but I'll figure it out. I mean, they they also (laughs) there's also Sean Payton going to the Broncos. His first choice for a defensive coordinator, we kept hearing, was Vic Fangio. He's like, I'm not going back there. And then he ends up with Vance Joseph, who they fired as head coach. Yeah. Like, I just – that doesn't make sense of that hire either. It
0: doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm with you. So, a lot
1: of his hires – and I don't think – I think Vance Joseph is a good coach. I just don't think he's a head coach. Mm. But it's weird to bring him back to that same situation.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But you're right. So, I – Said I like Sean Payton, uh, so I'm not gonna question all the hires he's making. But uh, that is a weird one. But so we'll see if Russell Wilson <clears throat> can get back on track now that Sean Payton is calling the shots. But also that he he won't have his own office on the second floor anymore, as being reported, um, and also reported by the Athletic in that very same article that Russell Wilson at one point spoke to management with the Seahawks about, or at least he spoke to ownership, I should say, about. Pete Carroll and John Schneider uh, being replaced while he was there. Let's get to this Lamar Jackson story just really quickly, too, because I, not, I don't really know what. And it's good, Getting back to the NBA of the NFL. I don't really know where this thing is going to end up right now. It looks as if Lamar Jackson, who the first mistake was made by Lamar Jackson in this whole thing. Now, the, the Ravens have made more mistakes. In the Lamar Jackson negotiation for a new contract, but Lamar Jackson made the first mistake. And the first mistake made by Lamar Jackson was representing himself. Yep. That was the first mistake in this whole thing. Yeah, It, it was it was a bad move and now you, you, he's too far down the path to turn. I guess you could just hire somebody, but now I think the damage has been done.
1: Well, and not only <laughs> that, not only the damage has been done, you're done way already. past the, the <laughs> point of starting a negotiation anew exactly, with a new guy. You exactly. Because too, you're what? March 7th is the date for just, a, a franchise too,
0: tag? Yeah, you're just too far along at this point. And, you know, it's kind of how you would probably be advised against representing yourself in court. Somebody would probably say, no, man, that's not a smart move. You should hire a lawyer for that. Same thing for this situation with Lamar Jackson. And what is being reported by Jeremy Fowler basically is that Lamar Jackson, uh, in a nutshell, wants a fully guaranteed deal. And every negotiation that the two sides have had essentially ends in a stalemate because Lamar Jackson— Keeps throwing out some form of a guaranteed contract, fully, yeah, fully guaranteed deal. And right now, there only been two fully guaranteed deals at the quarterback position in NFL history, and that is Deshaun Watson uh, with the five years, two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed deal he got, and that uh, Kirk Cousins deal that he got that time, that fully guaranteed deal. But either that, that's it. And he's he wants the Deshaun Watson deal. They're not going to give him the Deshaun Watson deal. That is the stalemate. And right now, I don't see the the Baltimore Ravens budging. And I, I think it's smart for Lamar Jackson to hold out, too, because somebody, somebody will pay him a fully guaranteed
1: deal. No, and I think this is the problem there in Baltimore as well. We talk about villains all day. I don't think either one of them wants to be the villain in this, which is why he's dragging out, because if I think he just came out and said, I want a fully guaranteed deal. They're not going to give it to me. Uh, which I, I fully understand this, their, could, the way their organization works. They don't believe that they should mm-hmm. pay a quarterback fully guaranteed. So I think for, it's best for both of us to move on. And if he says he would move on, then they can trade him and then go get a bunch of first and rebuild this franchise because they're missing a lot more than a quarterback. And so they could redo that. But if they just trade Lamar Jackson, a guy who is very big in the community, a guy who a lot of people like around there, yeah. then they are the bad guys and you better win in the next two, three years, or every single person that's in that staff is fired because they got rid of the the, the cash cow, they got rid of the guy who's taking to the playoffs, and they're not allowed to rebuild, and they know that. Unless Lamar Jackson demands the trade, or unless Lamar Jackson comes out and goes, I want out of Baltimore, then they can go ahead and move and go get picks. But I don't think they want to be the villain either because they know, well, our careers are pretty much shortened at that point. If we make the decision to get rid of Lamar Jackson... Even if we get five firsts for him, people don't care. Because they're not going to go, oh, that five first is five mm-hmm. pro bowlers. They're going to go, you got rid of him. We didn't make the playoffs for two years. Uh, yeah. No, I, I trust the Ravens organization actually to draft another quarterback. They're not going to draft a little more at Jackson.
0: But I, I trust that to good. draft another Tyler quarterback. And again, Tyler Huntley right away. now is um, a
1: pro bowl quarterback <laughs> on their roster. I know that's silly, and it's silly that, that it's is silly. It, but Tyler Huntley <laughs> is a pro bowl quarterback on mm. their roster. They do not have to draft. It. They can draft and fill that defense back up because their defense is super bare bones right now, and that was always their identity.
0: I think that says more about the state of the Pro Bowl than it does about the skill uh, set of one Tyler I agree. Hundley. I
1: like Tyler <laughs> Huntley,
0: but but I, yeah. The uh, the Ravens have a choice to put him on a franchise tag. They could put him on an exclusive franchise tag, which would be set at $45 million. You get $45 million, uh for that year, um, and then the Ravens would be able to you know control his rights they could trade him under that franchise tag they could sign him to an extension of that franchise tag for a certain time period Uh, also there's the non-exclusive franchise tag and this is a lower uh annual salary per year number but also if a team wanted to submit an offer for uh for Lamar Jackson they would have to give up two first round picks to submit an offer for him, so you got to give him two first round picks, and then you can start negotiating with him. I think I think Lamar Jackson could be worth more than two first round picks, honestly. If they oh, trade him, yeah, I think he's worth two first, and probably a I don't know a, a
1: second, third. something Oh no, like that too. I, I'd say there's probably three or four teams. Well, there's That's, there's at least three teams in the NFL right now, I guess, who Jets, would be willing Falcons, Jets, Falcons, at least possibly the Panthers, possibly the Panthers. They're in that conversation that would give up. At three first and a fully guaranteed contract. And I know that's a lot, but these are franchises that have been struggling for a while. And if they feel this is the guy who can pick them up to that next level, they might be willing to give, or at least two first and a second and a third. And, you know, that's
0: part of the NBAification of the NFL, though. First round picks, the Rams were the best example are undervalued they have been under undervalued yeah they, uh, they are, or they've been overvalued i should say and now teams are figuring out that they're well, overvalued and, it's, and now you can give up first round picks for more proven
1: commodities and it's not the same as the in the nba because it's way more noticeable in the nba but the once you get past pick 12 13 14 you start to get into real hit or miss territory and so it's like we we could get a a hall of fame player here easily but we could also get a guy who bust out because he just looked really good in college. And so mm-hmm. now those late first—if we're winning, those first-round picks we're giving up, pick 28, that is not nearly as valuable to me because that's a, that's a crapshoot pick at 28. Now, top 10? Yeah, yeah. No, that's worth a lot of money. Agreed. But that 28th pick, I'm not worried about.
0: Uh says says the Bears. Yeah, the Bears are in a—what's that? The cat—is it the catbird seat? Is that the term? They really are in a power position. They have Justin Fields, so they have a quarterback of the future if they decide, hey, man, let's just go all in on Justin Fields. They got the number one overall pick, so they got serious draft capital. And there are multiple teams, including the Texans or the Colts, should be trying to move up to get that pick just to try to get themselves some prime position in the draft as well. And they could always decide, you know what, we're trading Justin Fields and we're going to use that number one pick to take us a quarterback or I agree with the Texans. They could jump in that Lamar Jackson sweepstakes and say, "Listen, man, we'll give you Justin Fields. He's basically Lamar Jackson light. We'll give you that. You can keep the same system you got going and whatever. We'll give you." Matter of fact, ironically enough, the uh, Bears stole their offense from the Ravens. Yeah, remember I told you guys when the Bears first broke out that new look offense with Justin Fields after their bye week, it was when they were watching film and they saw the Ra- Ravens offense, and then one of the coaches said, "Man." Why don't we just run that with Justin Fields? Because he can, he can do all that stuff. And they did it, and he blew up. So they really could just kind of throw him right into the mix there with the Ravens, with their scheme, what they're doing. Todd Munkin can really you know weaponize his skill set. And then they can decide, hey, man, we're going to offer up Justin Fields, and we'll offer up you up a first-round pick. Give us Lamar Jackson. Give us the man. We'll give a new contract. He can be the face of the Chicago Bears. We had not had cu- a quarterback here in a long time. Justin Fields, I guess he's the face of the future for the franchise, but I think Lamar Jackson would be a much better face. <laughs> Fan-friendly face for the uh, Chicago Bears fans out there. So, yeah, that's a good one, too. That That's a really good one. I like that. Uh, all right, we got uh, – Oh, actually, my man Harsh is not here, so no harsh knock life. But in that harsh knock life segment, uh, we'll do a Texas basketball preview. We'll talk about Texas basketball big game coming up this week, weekend versus Baylor. Also, the ladies uh, who are also leading the Big Twelve right now—they got a big matchup, I believe. Oklahoma, is it Oklahoma this weekend? Who do they play? Oh, you? yes, it's yes. Oklahoma this weekend. Oklahoma. Uh, it's
1: a ten k for ten k, which we'll talk about too.
0: Oh, I like that. All right, we'll get into that too. We'll talk some Texas basketball on the other side, right here. i ball don't lie, one foot another one. The so ball don't lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a 5 1 2 Friday. We play jams from very talented human beings who are. Actually, performing live right here in the ATX, you got a chance to see
1: him. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Zach Person, and he is playing tonight over at the Scoot Inn.
0: All right, there you go. Five one two Friday, showing love to live and local. That's what we are—live and local. And shout out to my man Patrick, always working hard behind the scenes. You can be a part of the show on the Specs Text Line five one two three three seven three seven seven six. That's the number to the Specs Text Line. Also, you can reach out to us via Twitter. I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Uh, my man uh, Hardball. Hardge actually uh, will be back next week. Um, he's helping out the folks down there at Dell Diamond with a uh, baseball tournament. You can cyberstalk him at Hardball Hardge in the Twitterverse. Alright, a couple of uh, things here that I want to get into. Texas basketball, big game coming up versus the Baylor Bears tomorrow. As a matter of fact, you'll be able to hear that live right here on 104.9 The Horn. Ladies also in action, this is a big weekend for men and women's basketball uh, on the 40 acres because both have a chance uh, to keep their hopes alive of winning the regular season Big 12 title. Uh, Texas men will be doing it on the road at Baylor. Texas women versus Oklahoma this weekend. Talks more about that. It's actually a really cool uh, charitable promotion uh, that Coach Schaefer has been uh, pumping up the last, actually, for a while now. He's been pumping this up. So we want to do our part too. So we'll get into that in a second. Let's talk Texas men's basketball. So I saw this little factoid about quad one wins. Uh, This is one of the new uh, ways that they are going to determine uh, the seeding in the NCAA tournament at the different quadrants of wins, uh, depending on if you play a team at home, on the road, at a neutral site. And Quad 1, obviously, the most competitive quadrant of wins. And the Big 12 has played 148 Quad 1 games, which would get them uh, per team at 14.8 Quad 1 games played per team so far in the Big 12. Um, The Big 10 is second with 12.4 per team. And the SEC is third with 10.5 per team. So nobody's played more, no conference has played more quad one games than the Big 12. Also, the Big 12 has more wins. 73 quad one wins as well. Um, so the Big 12 is as tough as they say it is. It is a really competitive league. Um, but the Longhorns right now, along with the Kansas Jayhawks, on top of the, the Big 12. And one of the biggest reasons, honestly, is Sergio Sir Sir Jabari Rice and what he's been doing. I love this stat. I'll give uh, Hookem Headlines credit because where I got it. Uh, it talks about clutch time scoring, clutch time stats. Said uh, Sergio Bari Rice's clutch time stats. He's got 51 total clutch time points. If, uh, their definition of clutch time is the same as everybody else's. I believe it's the score within five points in the last five minutes. I believe that's it, yeah. but sometimes some coaches it's it varies a little bit. I think that Chris Beard called it winning time and he had like it was a little variation, but pretty much the same thing. Close game down the stretch of the game. Uh fifty-one total points for Sergeant Barry Rice, four point two five points per game in clutch time. That's second among Big Twelve Guards. Uh sixty-four, damn near sixty-five percent field goal percentage, leading all Big Twelve guards, and forty-four point three three point percentage in clutch time, leading all Big 12 guards. I mean, the argument can be made that he's your best player in clutch time, that he is your closer. The stats back it up. The eye test backs it up. And honestly, I, I told you guys before the season started that I talked to somebody on, uh, as a member of the Texas basketball team and just asked him straight up, i say, who's the guy? Just tell me who the guy is and who's the guy. He's at Sergio Barry Rice is the guy. It was that simple. Didn't and he didn't hesitate. He didn't he didn't pause. He didn't think about it. He didn't go, hmm. I said, man, who's the guy? He said, Sergio Byrd Rice is the guy. And I came when these airways. And I told you guys, I said, I was told that Sergeant Byrd Rice is the guy. That he's gonna be the guy, that he's he's cool, calm, and collected. He's got poise and his basketball like he was through the roof. Those all the things I was told. And honestly, all came to fruition. Yes. Yeah. More and more, the more and more we get to see him, uh, the more uh, polished he looks in clutch time.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I will give Marcus Carr credit that Marcus Carr is a really good cut clutch player as well, but he is the focus of most of these teams' defenses. And so you, you need a secondary weapon, and when you have a guy that is as good as Jabari Rice is, that it makes it not even a secondary weapon. You just go, well, we don't even have to – we'll just distract. We don't even have to have Marcus Carr really try and do anything – He's going to pull defense just gravitationally yep. because people are going to be worried about him hitting it because he has that deadly little fadeaway turnaround that he hits that he's killed all season long. And we go, all right, we'll go with that. And then we got Jabari Rice on the outside, and now you have two guys you have to guard at the end in-, in clutch time. It makes it really, really hard to put a defense when there's two guys that can score at that level and then open it up enough for everybody else who can also effectively get to the line. Or effectively move near the basket and get good shots off.
0: Yeah, your Timmy Allen's and you know, guys like that.
1: Timmy Allens, yeah. Christian, Bishop, Christian Bishop, Dylan DeSu yeah. has been good in the post. Brock Cunningham has been pretty Brock good. Brock Cunningham, except has been... for except for that one, uh, the Texas Tech game. That yeah. one, that one is what people may stick in their mind. But so many other points in this game in this season, Brock Cunningham has been a point when no one else could score. He's been the guy to take the shot and hit the bucket. And also at the end of games when people are leaving him open, but. You know, and Matt Butler had that stat about his plus minus is through the roof. And so you're like, if you can put all those pieces together, and and Jabari Rice, I really thought, like at the beginning of the season, he seemed like another glue guy, right? And he's, I agree with
0: that. He seemed like, yeah, that's a great point. He's kind of
1: eased his way into this role. Yeah, because he was a glue guy at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And now he's just all of a sudden, you're like, well, well, he may be the be- he may be the MVP by the end of the season. Uh, yeah, that's a great point cuz at the beginning of the year I was like, oh no, he's just playing the role that he needs to
0: play. Yeah. And it's almost like he was way because I think his basketball IQ, it may be just a credit to how how smart he is as a player. It seems like he was just waiting to see exactly what role was needed for him to play. It's like I can do, I can play like three or four different yeah. roles on this team. But what is most needed for this team to be successful? What role do they need me to play? And he's kind of switched up though that role throughout the year a little bit. And now he's he's in the closer role.
1: Yeah, and I think too part of that is when Rodney Terry took over. The style of offense favored him a bit more. Ah, That's a good point. And then I think also just everyone on that team is a little bit freer in taking good shots now with Rodney Terry that I think it just opened up where the it gave more of an open competition for everyone. If you can score, go in there and score because we need buckets. And before it was a bit more regimented of, all right, we trust these guys to be our shooters. We don't want guys that we don't necessarily believe to be, you know, high-percentage shooters taking a lot of shots. And we saw Tyrese Hunter just struggled so much throughout the season that you needed someone else to step up, and that's where he just went in and said, all right, let's, let's not have Tyrese Hunter take as many. I'll come in and take all these shots. I'll be the guy down the stretch. I'll be that guy that when, he's, when they're leaving me open for three. And again, I'll say it, I've said it a bunch of times. Is pump fake good enough that now people are staying down on the pump fake yeah. by not <laughs> even putting their hands up to try and train themselves to not jump which means he can shoot over the top of a lot of these guys because they're so trained to stay down that unless it's a really good defender who kind of trusts his instincts and will, you know, really try and get in his face at least and put a hand up, a lot of these guys don't even have a hand up when they're running out to him anymore to try and train themselves not to jump. He's adjusting to the scouting reports. Yeah. Then at first, everybody was jumping at the shot fake because nobody really knew
0: about it. Now the scouting report is best shot fake in college basketball. Do not foul, fall for it. Nobody's falling for it. So he's like, I got space.
1: Well, And then if he gets gets a little bit of it, he'll drive now and knows if I drive, the big man is always going to go for that pump fake because they're looking for blocking shots. On the perimeter, you're not used to blocking a lot of shots, so you're like, it's easier for me to stay down on the perimeter. But if I get in the paint and I pump fake, that 6'10 guy is going to jump out of the gym and all I got to do is lean towards the basket and lay it up and he's coming down on top of me and I'll probably hit it and get two free throws.
0: It really is a house of cards for the defense because if you fall for if you don't you know obviously fall for the pump fake you give him space to shoot it you fall for the pump fake he can go right around you which he does really well and if he does get in the lane and the big man falls for the pump fake he just gets to the line and creates contact. He's It really is. I like it's, it's a very savvy uh, type of game. And that plus-minus number you're referring to, I love this because it, it gives a credit to uh, Sergio Barry Rice, too. Uh, Brock Cunningham, last game, he was plus 25 in 23 minutes. Uh, he's two, plus 227 this season. That's the fourth-best mark in the Big 12 behind two of his teammates. Marcus Carr at plus 246. And Jabari Rice at plus 232. And then there's Grady Dick at plus 266. So, yeah, two of those come off the bench for the Longhorns, which is why their bench is so potent. And they're going to need it versus the Baylor Bears. I think the one thing I'm watching the most in this matchup, Patrick, has got to be can Tyrese Hunter stack quality performances back-to-back. I mean, the Longhorns, great. you got to go win everything like that. But I think it would help them so much more if he's able to stock Kind of stack, I should say, quality performances on top of one another late in the season. And then maybe, just maybe, what the team has been whispering and hinting at all year long like, no, we're not worried about Tyrese Hunter's struggles because we just need him to be playing his best to to basketball Iowa State. at the right time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just a good point, too. But just need to be playing his best basketball at the right time, which is right now. Yeah. No,
1: <laughs> and I mean, and honestly, he's going to have his hands full because he did a lot in, in game one. Keontae George. Keontae George is going to be coming for blood against Texas because they really held him down a lot in that first game and really just ball denied him so much of that game that basically Baylor was running plays to get him the ball where he was going to either having to take the ball up and they were going to have to full tort press to like get him the ball so that he could touch it. Cause once they get the ball up in the half court, they were shattering him and Tyrese Hunter was one of the main guys Really just on top of him the whole time. Yep. So he's gonna so that defense for him is gonna be huge. Not getting into foul trouble. And then you've got to worry about and I have to say this name, uh Chama Chachahua or chachua, Oh yes, uh, uh yes is, is yes. coming back from yes. uh from injury. Yes. He's not playing the first meeting. He is another bigger guy, six eight. Who is a good rebounder, just had a double double against K State. Last
0: name starts with a T, right?
1: Uh so it starts with a T. There's yeah, two I know. So his I know. first name is Jonathan, but I,
0: I know I know I know now you're talking because I struggle with it too, but I know how it yes, looks. It I'm starts seeing. with a TCH. <laughs>
1: There's three TCH sounds in yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're talking so, about So but yeah, he's but he's a really good player. And so I you know, I just always worry about the inside at Texas just because getting into foul trouble, getting rebounds so is a thing Texas has had struggles with all season. So they're going to have to play strong in the middle as well. But, yeah, Keontae George and how you guard him. Because if you're able to slow him down, then, you know, try and keep on Flagler, try and keep on Cryer, and not let them get off from three-point range. And then it's just, hey, man, their defense isn't what it used to be. So you can get shots up on this. So you're just going to need to move the ball and move with the urgency and the purpose you did against Iowa State. Because they're, they're going to try and take Marcus Carr out of the game. Everyone is trying to do it. So you need to be able to respond with everybody moving with that urgency and that purpose to get the ball as soon as you touch it, you're moving. Yeah, you just don't and when you don't have the ball, you're moving. You just keep moving so that you're tiring them out and just even if you get a few turnovers, you can start to control that more. But if you're holding the ball, this text offense does not work.
0: Uh, The uh, Texas women also uh, in action this weekend. They are trying to keep their Big uh, 12 uh, title hopes alive of winning the regular season, and they will be playing Oklahoma this weekend. Um, So just want to give a shout-out to the ladies, too. Yes,
1: and it's 10K for 10K, so get out there. Vic Schaefer is is putting up 10K of his own money, uh, and a bunch of people are going to match it. Uh, If 10K, 10,000 people show up at the uh, Moody Center for this game, uh, they raised over one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars, and they did this last year for the Neighborhood and Longhorns Foundation. So uh, hopefully, it'll be a big success again this year. The team's playing really well right now. It so definitely go, will go be because
0: they they didn't do it in Moody. They didn't they. they this did is Darwin. the first time they do There's it. There's more Moody. seats at Darwin. That's true. Well, we just need more, more money in Moody, though. Exactly, <laughs> need more money. <laughs> That's more no seats at earn but more money in Moody. So we should be okay. Uh, all right, we'll come right back. We got off the record on the other side. Right here, ball don't lie. Wonderful night, the d Mega Doo-Do. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat
1: Essen. Well, I don't get, I get a day break day comb. congratulations. Continue. Good sex in the big uh, sex in the big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes
0: the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record.
1: Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live! and things sucks!
0: All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9. The horn, uh, like the text here says, uh, basically, so Jabari Rice is the RPO offense for basketball. Well said, sir. Like that. Like that. Well done. Uh, all right, off the record here, this comes from um, a study that was done. Um, apparently, this new, and it was done around Valentine's Day, uh, this new survey that was done, according to Pew, Pew Research, it says that A whopping 63% of young men who were surveyed said they were single. 34% of young women reporting they were single in the survey. People are freaking out because obviously the numbers don't seem to match up. And they're talking about young women and young men. It says study finds that basically uh, 60% of young men are single. This was under 30. So it was an under 30 study, according to Pew Research. All right. Now, Patrick, you're not under 30. But what are your thoughts about sixty-three percent of men? Uh sixty three percent of young men uh saying they were single. Yeah, I think it's just people classify relationships differently. <laughs> ah. So you're saying the women, they're dating these men. These men aren't necessarily dating the women or
1: Yeah, yeah. So Okay, I got you. Or it was just whoever was asking the question was a dude. Or like, if you get a hot girl to ask a guy if he's single or not, 63% of guys will be single. That is true. And if you get me to ask girls if they're dating somebody, like 95% of girls will be in a relationship if you send me out with a clipboard. Are you single? No. No, no, no. Dating a big guy. He owns a lot of guns. (laughs) 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 I think you might be right about that. I think it's about the definition of dating. Yeah, no, I think it's, yeah, I think it comes down to guys being like, well, you know, I'm seeing a couple people, but I'm not dating anybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm just Netflix and chill with like these couple girls. And the girls are all like, yeah, no, that's my boyfriend. Yeah, the
0: women, <laughs> dating, I guess, happens a little sooner for the ladies than it does for the men. Yeah. This
1: well, dating true. in technical terms would be I've been on a date with somebody, I am dating them. I'm not serious with them. We're not, we're not exclusive, but definition of dating that's not date oh, yeah right i guess that is dating but you need multiple no, no. dates to say you're
0: dating yes no i get it we went on a date and so yes. that's what i'm saying
1: i think the men are more in that ballpark of like i don't know we're we're not don't say that yeah because right. if you say that then now i got commitment and i got this so don't say that but the girls are like i don't know we've been on two dates we've been we on are two dating dates. so we're dating we we together now
0: I think that's fair. I'm with you on that. I think that may be the explanation for it. Otherwise, um, I don't know. I think it's just it could be that, man, maybe, I don't know who all the, the women are dating if <laughs> if 63% of the men are single and 34% of the women are single. Or maybe there's a lot of dudes out there that got more, multiple women. That, that could be. Could just be dudes out there, man. You know what I mean? Cheating on women. Something like that. I don't know. That's a lot of work, though. I will say this. Yeah, that is a lot of work. That's, that's, that's way too much work. I ain't knocking you if you do it, but way too much work for me. Right, I, I don't back. want to put in the work for one. Exactly. One is a lot of work. Trust me. Yeah, I agree. No, 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 no. I would say one is enough work for me. I'm good on that. Uh, all right, we come back. We got Cowboys news notes and nuggets. They're filling in their coaching staff. We'll talk about the latest. Also, Bobby Wagner's on the market. Will the Cowboys be interested? And Rod round today pays tribute to one of the GOATS. We'll talk about that more right here on Baldon Line. One we one on the horn.